You are listening to Church Unlimited Students, a ministry of Church Unlimited. If God is speaking to you through this podcast, we encourage you to share this resource with your friends. And make sure to connect with us on social media by following at Students. Thank you for listening to Church Unlimited Students. Hi, ladies. Um, first of all, I would like to apologize that I missed last week. I was on vacation for two weeks, but then I had a training in Austin put on by the governor's office. And the reason I'm telling you this is because how many of you know that I combat human trafficking? Okay, so I've been doing this for seven years and this was a training where they brought in all the leading experts. We got trained by one of the um, top agencies out of Florida. And the thing that killed me was that they said that the number one risk for making your age girls most vulnerable to being trafficked by a perpetrator is self-esteem. And I got mad, I got angry because I thought not on my watch. And so when Pastor Nate asked me to speak, um, Amanda texts me and that's all I could think about. I mean, we hear it all the time. I don't understand why there's such an issue with women and self-esteem. I don't know why we allow people to take advantage of us in these areas. And I, I thought about it and I prayed about it. And then I realized the answer has to be that we are not secure in who we are, that we don't really recognize our value or who we were created to be. I wanna take you through a journey tonight and um, really I'm just using this as an excuse to tell you about my vacation. <laughs> um, join me in reading 1 Peter 2.9. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him like you just did in this room, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How many of you were here at camp this summer, right? Wasn't that room beautiful when we filled it up with his light and we made a proclamation? This is you in 1 Peter 2, 9. Okay, pray with me right now. Father God, I just ask that every single woman in this room recognizes the fact that we have been called, you have called us as a royal priesthood. You have called us into your royal family. You have said and declared that we are valuable. We are your special possession, not in a bad way, but like in a very valuable diamond or China sort of way. Father, you show us off to everyone in the world. I pray that that seeps into every one of us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I have to share with y'all, my fascination, I think with British royalty goes all the way back to my childhood and I'm gonna be dating myself. How many of you have heard of Shirley Temple? Oh, I love y'all. Y'all wanna have a sleepover and watch Shirley Temple movies? <laughs> okay. So I saw this movie um, with Shirley Temple when I was really young called The Little Princess. And it starts out all cool if you've seen the movie and she's got like this ermine collar and this porcelain doll and her father is dropping her off at this really exclusive girls sporting school. But then her father disappears. He's MIA, he's missing in action. He was in a war and nobody hears from him at all. And so she becomes like the scullery maid and they put her in the attic. She has to clean and bring in the coal and all this stuff and she's destitute but she keeps believing beyond a shadow of a doubt that her father is alive. And so she sneaks out every day and goes to the hospital to look for her father, okay? 
Then one day she's at the hospital and she's getting chased by the police and she's getting harassed by the butler and you know, like um, everyday life, right? School, <laughs> like this happens to you. And um, everybody's tearing at her and they're gonna arrest her and she's not gonna get a chance to look for her father anymore. Well, it just so happens that day, Queen Victoria was touring the hospitals. You know, like when Trump and Pence came down to Rockport so Queen Victoria decided to go and check out what was happening in the war-torn areas and she was visiting the hospital. And she's coming down the aisle and she sees a little girl and she asks, what's the matter with this child? And she says, she's looking for her father. And Queen Victoria is like, not only does she say, allow her to look, but she tells her guard, escort her throughout the hospital. And I thought, there's something more to royalty than just wearing a crown. There is a power to change the world. You can move mountains when you are royalty. And that's when I decided that that was something I had to have. And then just like the rest of you, I determined the rest of my life to try to be a princess. Anybody else? <laughs> well, I got to go to um, Europe for my vacation and I wanted to go see castles. That was my dream. It was for my 50th birthday. I'm a couple of years late, but that's okay. Um, I just want to encourage you that if you have a dream and you have a desired destination, sometimes they get postponed, but never give up on your dreams. So mine was postponed for a little bit, but I finally got to do it. And as I, as I toured these castles, one of the things that I recognized that was echoed in this monarch, Queen Victoria, was the reputation that she maintained throughout her reign. And I don't Netflix binge, um, I only watch clean shows. But recently there's been a show on Amazon about Queen Victoria. And so I've been watching it because I was about to go to Europe and I wanted to know more about her. But I was intrigued by the similarity of the traditions of succession of royalty and that of what I, what I found out as our Christian heritage and faith and what was going on in the UK. Now, we as young women, we imagine royalty as something out of a fairy tale, right? We think of Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, and we forget sometimes that across the ocean, royalty still resides. How many of you are following like the Kate and all that? No? Okay. Y'all want to see my cute boots that are just like Kate's. Okay. <laughs> because we don't have that. We have precedents here. But the stories, and the stories and traditions still contain an element of truth that were established in the Bible. So you may not realize it, when somebody is of royal heritage, they have been called to that position. It may be by blood, it may be by um, ownership. So I wanna read you something out of John 15, 16. First, you have to be chosen, you have to be called. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. This is God calling, talking. He appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So whatever you will ask in his name, the Father will give you. So we established that we're called, right? You're called into this royal priesthood. You're called into this royal line of secession, okay? But how many of you recognize that it's not enough to be called? Okay, I'm gonna tell you something because sometimes... I fear that we come to church, whether it's on Wednesday night or it's on Sundays, and we just do things because everybody else is doing them. And nobody ever explained what's really going on. 
So usually at the end of our service, especially on Sundays, um, we say a prayer. And we ask if you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life or if you want Jesus to come into your heart. And if you're getting visual, sometimes these words are kind of confusing. But what's happening is in that moment, and you might've felt this during worship, you just feel a tug. You feel this pull that there's something more. Well, the Bible says that no one comes to God unless the Holy Spirit draws them. And that's why I wanted you to hear that scripture. Because if you think that there is this God in heaven, that sent his son to die for you. And he is not calling you. He's not wooing you. He's not looking everywhere for you with that glass slipper, then you're wrong. And that's what you feel at the end of the service. It's not because DQ said something really funny and you're like, oh yeah, I need to raise my hand because he's awesome. Or because Pastor Nate like said his five points and they really touched your heart. It's because the spirit of God is drawing you, is calling you. So you're called. But then what happens? We just raise our hand and say a prayer and go home? Okay, listen to this story. In Matthew chapter 22, and if you don't catch it all today, you can go home and read it tonight and highlight it and write it in your journal and Bible journal about it. Jesus was speaking to the people in parables, which are allegories, you know, just like fairy tales that we read. He said, the kingdom of heaven is just like a king who prepared this amazing wedding banquet and everybody showed up in their really cool dresses like they were in rain and Queen Victoria. And he sent his service to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell everybody to come. So he started inviting people. He started calling people, come, come. I'm throwing this party. I'm throwing this banquet, please come. And then what happened? They started making excuses. They refused to come and they said, you know what? My car had a flat. Really, they said my oxen have been butchered. Um, they said, pay no attention. And they went off to their business. The rest took the servants and they beat them and killed them. The king was really upset. He was enraged. So he sent his army to destroy them. Then he got frustrated because nobody was coming to his banquet. He'd done everything in his power. He was like Queen Victoria. He was saying, I'm gonna do what you need and I'm gonna do what you need and I'm gonna send all my servants out to help you prepare the land. Please come to my banquet. The least you can do is come to my banquet. But everybody had excuses because there was a game on Friday night. There was a party on Saturday night. Their friends were going to the beach on Sunday. So they didn't come. So then he told the servants, you know what? Just go to the street. Just go out to Leopard. Um, go out to the mall, invite some people. I've created this huge banquet. I've decorated, I've hired people, I've hired bands and music for this amazing banquet. And everybody made excuses. They were waiting for a better offer. So these people came in from the highways and the, high, the byways and the mall and Leopard Street and they showed up because they felt so honored and humbled that the king would invite them. And maybe you've thought that on Sunday, you might've thought, you know what? I believe in this God, but he's like way up here and I'm way down here. He couldn't possibly want me to come. I mean, maybe he saw my school record last year. Maybe he saw my last relationship on Instagram. Maybe he's seen my family. He couldn't mean me, but you're the one that he's calling. You're the one that's feeling that tug during that song. And so the important part here it's what all those other people that thought they were worthy and they had something better to do that didn't answer the call is, you have the invitation. 
But now how are you going to respond? My first point is you have got to RSVP to the call. This story, this allegory, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's telling all the people out there, many are called, but few are chosen. And some people twist that to think that they're not qualified, they're not worthy. It's the people who responded. It's the people who sent in their RSVP. <clears throat> so what does this look like? I told you I've been watching um, Victoria, the series, and she's really amazing because she was only 18 when she took the throne. How many of you are seniors? Could you imagine ruling a country? And not just one country. You know, we think of England being the queen of England, but the United Kingdom is all of the surrounding countries, you know, Scotland, all of these other countries um, that they conquered, that they came in, just like we're the United States, they're the United Kingdom. So at 18 years old, because all of these other people had died, she became the heir to the throne. And then when the king died at 18 years old, she had to take on all those responsibilities. She assumed that, that, great, that great responsibility. And you may think like, I don't, we don't do that here. We have presidents, we have senators, we have congressmen, we have state representatives. You don't even know what that means to be an heir. How many of y'all have ever heard of like a will? Like this joke about, I have this really rich uncle and when he dies, I'm his heir and I get all his money. Okay, we have this really rich God. <laughs> okay, so an heir is the same thing. An heir is someone that takes over, whether it's a castle in a country or, um, or um, an estate or whatever is left over, okay? So that's what an heir is. So I wanna read you a scripture. Um, I'm gonna give you two if you're taking notes on your phone. That was your cue. <laughs> um, Galatians 4, 1 through 7 an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. So this is the heir. But he's un, he has under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, when we were children, we were enslaved to the principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem us so that we may receive adoption as sons and because we are sons, God has sent his spirit into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So we are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. And Romans chapter 8, 15 through 17 says it a little better. Because of the spirit, we are all children of God. The spirit led us to fall, not to fall back into fear, but receiving the spirit of adoptions with whom we cry, Abba, Father. It testifies with our spirit, with that drawing, that we are now children of God if... We are children of God. How many believe that when you gave your life to God, you're now a child of God? Y'all believe that, right? You believe God is your father in heaven, but yet we miss this, that we are then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So we went to this really cool place called the Tower of London. And it was kind of like the place where there's a moat around. If you imagine an old castle, this protected the city, right? So it's this fortress and I just love castles. So I thought that was really cool. My husband only wanted to go there because that's where they kept the crown jewels. Okay, this is where it gets interesting because even at 18 years old, Queen Victoria became heir to all of those crown jewels. And I'm showing you this because there was a scepter with a diamond in it this big. It blew my mind. And these are things passed on from generation to generation to generation. So when she was 17, the crown jewel's hers. 
No, because she was just an heir. But then when she became queen, that scepter with this giant diamond that was presented as a gift became hers. The crown, and I know I have a picture of this crown that they wear during the coronation ceremony. It has amazing, huge jewels. And I know the only diamond we think about is our engagement or wedding ring, right? We are thinking way too small. Because when God calls you and he created you and he gives you that invitation, he is thinking of your value. And when I looked at that jewel and I think about how God created y'all, he sees you as more valuable than this. We did a study um, on the Thursday night girls Bible study about the Proverbs 31 woman. And if you read that second part of Proverbs 31, it says a virtuous woman who can find her value is far above rubies. Rubies at that time were in greater value than diamonds. Now we just think of diamonds as being the most valuable. So God looks at you with value. How many of you like, what's the biggest carrot diamond you've seen? Two, four? You can talk. Six carat? Yeah, so we see that and we just imagine its brilliance and what it took to create it. But when God looks at you, he sees your value as so far superior. And we don't see ourselves as that. We let the world cover us up and we let it diminish our value and get us smudged and dirty so we don't reflect him. But when God sees you, <laughs> you begin to reflect in the world as the shining light of his creation. And I just want you to understand, because when I was looking at those jewels and the scepters and the crown, I was thinking about you guys and your value in God's eyes and that you're heir to that. You're an heir to that inheritance. That's what he has let, left you, what your value is. So I want y'all to read those verses and try to understand, just like Queen Victoria was an heir and she took over at 18, you're an heir to him and to all of his inheritance. So now I wanna make it personal. If you have answered that call, if you have RSVP to God, you're now in succession to that royal lineage. And this is where the journey begins. And this is where, it, is anybody like, um, kind of feel unsure about your value? Because we're gonna talk about this in our groups. And I really want you to be vulnerable because I remember one time we talked about um, relationships. And I was so excited because everyone in my group opened up. And if you don't feel like you can come here and this is a safe place where people are here to mentor you and encourage you, um, then we're doing something wrong because we're here to build you up and answer your questions and fight this battle with you. So I want you to feel like you can ask questions. Never think there's a dumb question or never be afraid to say, I don't even know what Caroline is talking about. I can't even comprehend my life being of any value. That's something that we need to talk about. And that's why we're here tonight. So one of the things that I noticed and um, they had this crown and this crown was the one that everyone wore during the coronation. It was passed on from generation to generation since the 1600s. And the reason it wasn't passed on before then because there was a great war and everything was destroyed. So the previous crown was destroyed. But the crown looks like this. It has a British cross and it has these two gold bands on it. Do y'all see that? the four bands, right next to it was the exact same crown, except the difference was there was only two bands and two were missing. And I'm, I'm really like um, nosy. And so I have to Google everything. I'm like, why is this? Why is this? And that was the one of um, 
the heir prince, the prince of the prince that was going to um, be the upcoming king or the heir apparent. Like um, Victoria would have been the heir apparent before she took the crown. And so what they had to do was they had to go around every time the the king wore the crown, they wore this crown. And the reason they had to wear that crown was to get prepared to carry the weight. And I thought that's interesting because we don't even practice our position as joint heirs with Christ. We don't even think about it. How do we go around every day and put on this crown and practice that we're next in line for succession, that one day we're gonna reign in heaven with Christ? What does your life look like right now? How are you ruling? How are you practicing? And that had me thinking, and I, I couldn't even sleep that night because I was comparing it to our lives. And I thought there's so many things that they had to do to prepare for this um, royal position. They had to learn how to speak to people in public. They had to learn uh, etiquette. They had to learn how to wear the crown and, and how to respond. And then one thing that I noticed, and I thought this was really funny, they had to welcome special guests from all over the world. And they welcomed these special guests and they had this huge room and it was at least this long. And on both sides of the room, it was just a hall. And on both sides of the room, there were all these portraits and giant portraits. And there's this one um, that we got to see also, if any of y'all watched Downton Abbey, we got to see at Highclere Castle. It, the same portrait was painted for Highclere Castle as was painted for the queen. So there's one um, hanging in Windsor Castle and it was of King Charles. And King Charles uh, had an inferiority complex because he was short. And so in the painting, he had the horse's head painted really small. So he looked bigger. Okay, because they didn't have filters back then. So they just like, can you paint me skinny? Can you paint me without a double chin? Can you paint the head? Okay, there it is. So can you paint the head? And if you look at the horse and then you realize, okay, so I got to see this painting twice and I thought it was just a joke the first time I heard it. And then I started looking at all these other pictures. And then I would Google that real person. And I noticed how like they were, the paintings were Photoshopped. And this is, okay, this is what got me. And this is where I'm gonna challenge you because they took all their visitors through this hall of portraits to say, oh yeah, King Charles was my great uncle. Oh yeah, this is the Duke of so-and-so and he came and stayed at the castle. And it's like, oh yeah, this person, we hung out last summer, you know, in Scotland. And they were bragging. So even though they didn't have social media, they did the exact same thing we did. They were bragging in a hall of portraits. That blew my mind. But ladies, this is where my question was. They're royalty. Why did they have to brag? And why did they have to lie? And I thought, sometimes when we're heir apparent to the throne, we forget what our value is already is. And we don't have to try to get likes and friends on social media. We don't have to shrink the size of the horse's head to make us look better. We don't have to Photoshop and edit. Hashtag no filter. And it surprised me that this has been around forever. And I thought, if I was the queen, I wouldn't do that. If I was the heir to the throne, I wouldn't do that. But yet we're an heir to something so much more important and we do it every single day. The other thing is during the, um, and this is not appropriate sword, I just don't happen to have one of those with jewels encrusted on the handle. There were so many things that I saw that, um, were similar to the Christian faith 
during the coronation. And if you've ever seen a coronation, it's so similar to a wedding. So I want you to think about a wedding and the queen coming in and um, she presents a Bible. She presents, um, she's get, she gets presented with an orb that signifies her rule of state. But then she gets presented with the swords, uh, spiritual swords. And I thought, I reread that and I thought that's so interesting to uphold the spiritual state of the country. That's one of her responsibilities. And I was like, they don't have separation of church and state in the UK. That's one of the um, monarch's responsibilities. And I thought, you know what? I think I read about that somewhere in the Bible. I think it's in Ephesians 6, verse 17. It says, not only to take the helmet of salvation, that's answering the call, but the sword of the spirit, which is what? What is the sword? The word of God. I had a dream one time and I have this picture in my house because I just became enamored with it a long time ago. But I had a dream one time and I'm gonna try not to cry because I'm living this moment. It's called the accolade. And in the accolade, there's this queen and she is knighting a young man. And this is where this becomes important because when royalty knights somebody, which is what they do to a monarch, and they are declaring their new position. And I don't know if you've ever seen that in a movie when somebody is knighted. This is when they're commissioned. They are commissioned into their future role. So the monarch is commissioned. Um, a knight is commissioned. But we think, oh, that's so cool. You get to wear that armor. No, when a knight is commissioned, then that's when they have to go out and they have to go do a task like kill a dragon, conquer a world, something like that. I don't understand why we think as Christians that once we have been called and once we have been commissioned that it gets easy because that's when it's time to take up our sword, to take up the word of God and to go out into the world and start fighting our battles. We were never called for something easy. God created us as something of value to go out and terrorize the enemy who is really ticked off that you're here and that you're a Christian. If you don't believe me, let's go back to the New Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, where all of a sudden um, the wise men come to Herod, who is the reigning king, and they're like, hey, we heard there's somebody else that was just born somebody else that's gonna ascend to the throne, somebody that was born to be king. And what did Herod do? He went and massacred everyone in the country under two. The same thing happens with anybody that's heir to a throne. When children are born, there's assassination attempts. Queen Victoria, as soon as she became queen, she was out riding one day and they tried to shoot her. But you know what she did? She did the same thing that we should do. She got back out and she said, no one is gonna take this position from me. This is my response to be out there in the world. And this is our responsibility, but we weren't created to go out there unarmed. So I want you to become equipped with the sword, the word of God. And you know, ladies, as you go through there, if you have questions, that's what we're here for. And I will tell you something, I've had people come to me with questions and I didn't know the answers to them, but that's what your life group leader is for. You can say like, hey, I just read this, that we're adopted by God and I'm a joint heir. What does that mean? And your life group leader may say, you know what, I don't know, but I'm gonna look it up. I mean, I, I go back to the Greek and Hebrew. If you ask me a question, I am gonna find out the answer to the best of my knowledge because at least you're looking and at least you're equipping yourself and at least you're hungry. 
before the word of God. And that's the only way you're going to reach your friends and reach the world is knowing that. So the second point is to recognize that you will have challenges to utilize the word of God, your double-edged sword. We need to learn how to battle the attacks of the enemy, our emotions. Anybody got any of those that you need to combat? Our thoughts and the other things that might try to take you out by learning and applying the word. I like y'all got all serious and somber. I know, I'm sorry, I was telling you this big fairy tale and I hate to break it to you that it's not all diamonds and dancing, but I will lead you to the happily ever after. As I watched um, in one of the places we went, they actually had a video of the coronation of Queen Victoria and it was just so amazing. It was so opulent, so beautiful, um, so serene and serious. And two verses in the Bible came to mind as I watched that. And one of them was in Revelations chapter four. It says that once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled around the throne and surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold upon their head. The 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and they worshiped him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns at the throne. And since I first became a Christian, I became a Christian about um, um, 20 years old, 19 or 20. And everybody in the church was telling me this, like you have to do this and you have to do this and you're earning crowns in heaven. And I didn't really um, care about earning crowns in heaven. I really cared about my friends and the other people that didn't know this amazing message of God that like you didn't have to live the life that you were living, but there was a God that loved you and valued you. But they kept telling me this. And then one day when we get to heaven that we're gonna throw our crowns at his feet. Well, I don't really find that, but I found this story. And so I want you to get it. It's like when... The point comes at the coronation when the monarch is crowned, everyone else that holds a title in that room, it's usually Westminster Abbey, takes their crown and places it on their head. So we have these, this is so um, parallel to what's going on in heaven. They have tried to um, create, recreate the same scene in Europe that the Bible talks about. And then we are crowned, but then it makes no difference because once you're in the presence of the true and living God, like right now we can't even comprehend. I'm gonna take you on a journey in a minute, but right now we can't even comprehend what that feels like. But they said, they still, they didn't even care. Even if the diamonds in their crowns were this big, they still laid them at the feet of God. And the second scripture that I love this, that came to my mind was in Isaiah chapter six. And I know y'all probably aren't real excited about the Old Testament, but this is one of the, the scriptures, the stories that put an awe of God into my heart. And so I want you to listen to this. This is the prophet Isaiah. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple so I want you to imagine, because y'all probably have never seen a coronation, but think about a wedding, like the grandest wedding that you've ever been to. 
And you know how the doors open and the bride comes out and she's walking down the main aisle and everybody stands and she goes to the front of the church and everybody's in awe and silent. So all of a sudden, Isaiah is seeing the presence of God come in and sit in the front of the room and its train goes all the way through the aisle. And above him were seraphim, angel, angelic creatures with six wings and they covered their faces and they were flying and calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, it sounded like thunder. The doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah was floored. And he said, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. That's why we cast our thrones because once we're in the presence of the living God, we recognize that there are smudges on this beautiful diamond that he created of our lives. He said, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. And then an angel came to him and took a live coal from the altar and pressed it to his lips. And when he touched his mouth, he said, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away. And then Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, looking around the world that needed this message, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. So those of you, um, what discourages me is that we had 300 girls at camp. I want you to look around this room. Because for some reason, for a week in the summer, we get so excited and so passionate. And we feel like we're gonna go out and change the world. And we're gonna talk to our friends and our families. And we're gonna tell them what we learned. And we raised our candle and we said, we're gonna go light our world. And then we get commissioned. And then we have to take up that sword. And then the battle gets hard and we can't do it. But I'm here tonight because I've been where you are and I felt defeated, but I never quit. I ran and hid at times, but I kept coming back. And there's girls out there and it may be you that are thinking they're not worthy, that are thinking they can't come back, that don't have the answers to the questions, that nobody ever took the time to teach them how to use a sword because we print three scriptures on the board every week. But we don't take you step by, step by step through them. And that's what we as life group leaders are here for. But we need you to ask us the hard questions. You need to challenge us. So right now, if you're willing, I'd like to commission you like the accolade. Because in my dream, I commissioned a room full of girls to go out and change their world. And when I got back from Europe, I was like, oh, I'm gonna talk about being called and I'm gonna talk about being crowned and I'm gonna talk about being commissioned. And as soon as that word commission came out of my mind, I thought of the accolade and then I thought of my dream. And so if you wanna make a difference in your community, if you're willing to fight the fight, if you're willing to get in the word, if you're willing to take on the responsibilities that being a joint heir with Christ means you have to first recognize your value. And then I want you to stand.
And I want you to pray with me. So if you want to be commissioned tonight to make a difference in your school and your community, stand with me right now and I'm going to pray. Father God, I can't even, like Isaiah, begin to tell you how humbly I stand here in all of your presence in this place. Father, I pray that you come to us in dreams and show us how much you value us, that you care about us, how you desire for us to be into your, in your presence, for us to spend time in your word and just, just talking to you, writing letters in our journals to you. And Father, I pray that we hear you speak back, that we hear that call. But when we hear that call, that it's so much more than raising a hand on Sunday or Wednesday, that we send in our RSVP and we actually show up when you've gone through all this trouble, the trouble to send your son, your most valuable prized possession for our lives to show us how much you loved and care about us. And Father, I ask that you just build a fire within us um, to want to change our world, but even more than that, to begin with our own lives, to be in your word every night, every morning, to transform our lives with what you've already given us, that we take the sword and we become so proficient with us that the, with it that the enemy will never be able to take us out of the game again. And not only that, the people will see the difference and they will come to us and we will be able to tell them, that's so funny, this morning I read this, or that's so ironic, yesterday I heard this, or you should come with me on Sunday night or Wednesday night because I believe that God is gonna give the answer that you need in the word of God and in the message. And Father, I ask that as we were commissioned today that we go out and fight the fight and that we feel your presence and your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. And Father, I pray that as life group leaders that we step up our game that we encourage our students and that we help them to fall in love with your word and to apply it to their lives as we apply it to ours. And we ask this in your holy name, amen.